exploring the mysteries of life and the cosmos with an overwhelming desire to uncover buried truth, discovering whether or not human beings purposefully manipulated the world or something more spiritual has happened or is happening. Researching a wide range of topics such as conspiracies, religion, spirituality, science, health, and history, Apple of Perception delves into the beyond, where nothing is off-limits. This is Apple of Perception Podcast. If the world is an enigma, then everyone is either telling their own truths and or we're all pathological liars. Because everything is consciousness, choice dictates reality, and the truth is within. Welcome back to Apple of Perception Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Edward Finney. We're going to get right back into the reading of the book again. Apple of Perception, Part 2, Chapter 3, Gnosis. Enlightenment, Ascension, Samadhi, Apotheosis, the opening of the third eye, the great revelation, and the lifting of the veil. These concepts may not be synonymous with the concept of Gnosis, but they share the same goal, that of the achieving the epitome of spiritual understanding attainable during our lifetime here on Earth. The pathways to such a feat are numerous as the stars themselves, and vary indefinitely. To some it is acquired through isolation by fasting for long periods of time, hiding from the world in a cave, or just by the mere sitting in silence under a tree. Others seek it their whole lives and enroll themselves in as many schools of knowledge their minds can endure. It is a wisdom that cannot be taught, but only observed through experience. Yet, we try our hardest to teach this thing we all seek. We search for it through word and book, through school and song, and all other methods of communicating with nature and with each other. Ancient teachings of mankind took a route towards spiritual gnosis that included science as a part of religion. Academics, morality, and spirituality were all combined into the same mythic tales. These days, all ancient teachings are kept separate and instill completely different frames of mind that cause conflict with an individual's beliefs. In ancient times, and for those now brought up in religious life, the first teachings always include an almighty, all-powerful, creator God, and say that we owe our existence to him. These are then followed by the teachings that man is a special creation, having more than any other form of creation on earth, that being of a soul and or a spirit. We are taught that the soul has or can have everlasting life and never dies. The physical body is shed upon death and returns to the earth from whence it came. The soul then is released and continues on. In ancient times, this was the first lesson, properly instilled into the mind before the lessons in science that followed. Then came the laws of creation, the infinite wisdom of God, and the arrangement of the luminaries. The order of the universe. With this scientific knowledge, man was enabled to grasp the wisdom and the great divine love of the Creator. The understanding it wrought brought a feeling of oneness with the Heavenly Father. 
the original sciences included in ancient myth were taught in a form so simple to, to man that even then, in an uncultured state, we could understand them. The concepts were stated as an absolute, without theorizing, and not a semblance of technology was used. It was plain and simple. Today, we are taught tedious stages of science, separate, of course, from any semblance of spirituality or divine sources. All scientific information is brought to our understanding with hard empirical evidence, evidence of experiences within the creation that can be shared. We begin with a vague, basic understanding, and through our many years of growth, we are progressed to build upon them with varied concepts, each more complicated and building upon the last. Slowly through our indoctrination, the tower is built. We attempt throughout these sciences to grasp the mystery of the universe, yet through them it continues to remain a mystery. It is all presented as materially sourced and factual, yet softly we are informed that all these concepts root themselves deeply in theory, and the sciences brought to our classrooms throughout the decades are ever-changing. Through this lack of foundation, the tower built from knowledge falls. Its route towards gnosis becomes collapsed and scattered. These expiated teachings are presented as fact, but in the hearts of the student they are not truly understood and are beyond sound logic. We are left ever searching for further explanation, searching ever deeper down the rabbit hole for causes to our effects. To those who continue to search, the question is always asked, why? The answer to which is, because this ancient scientific garden has been choked up with the rank weeds of theory, technology, theology, misconceptions, inventions, capped with childish dreams which neither rhyme nor reason, and all of which are totally at variance with the true natural laws which govern throughout the universe. This deplorable state of understanding has been recognized in all ages and is not unique to our modern times. It is a stage in every person's growth and is epitomized by a commonly shared negative outlook of society as a whole. The status quo, the current state of the populace, cut off from source through their own choice of desiring the state they are currently in subject only to the physical world around them and not desiring or accepting of change except for what makes their situation subject subjectively grander. These are those that worship mammon, or for lack of a better word, materialists. It is an unfortunate state we are all guilty of. There is a thin veil of understanding that must be pierced to perceive what propagates this materialistic view. Sadly, only few can grasp the true concepts of spirituality and creation. It is not something that can simply be taught, and even when we come to realization, we so easily forget again. This deplorable state is brought about by two major factors. One, 
the egotism of man, and his inordinate craving for publicity, wishing to be thought of as the pinnacle of the mountain of understanding. We forget that there is only one great one. The only pinnacle man can really reach is the sublime honor of being one of his or its selected messengers of conveying this knowledge of truth. Man forgets that he can only be a messenger, a conduit, and that is the highest honor that can be bestowed upon him. 2. Man so easily turns from the worship of the Great One to the worship of Mammon. And through his worship of mammon, he continually professes the worship of the Great One. Through this false reckoning, he deceives himself and those he teaches, and thus is in fact a false prophet. These are innocent errors in understanding which we all make. Greater than those of the hogs that practice in slavery, it is far more of an error than just being a mere materialistic person and having the desire to acquire vast material gains, and enslave fellow man. In fact, many who have experienced Gnosis choose to continue to benefit themselves from those that haven't, instead of trying to aid all in achieving it themselves. It is the simple attribution of effect within the creation to be propagated in ultimate origin from anything within the creation itself, in lieu of the divine source. For truth of the natural law of the universe dictates that all effect within the creation is ultimately emanated from the divinity. This simple misconception we all become guilty of in every moment that we forget to be thankful to the Creator for all that He, it, maintains. As long as this misconception clouds the mind of any individual, peace cannot rest upon their heart. Not down any one path can any man find the great school for learning of true science. For some, nature is the true science. For others, it is found through technology. For others, it is exclusively through religion. And in each of these categories is found a plethora of variances in understanding. In truth, all are fractals of the whole. One must don the coat of many colors to view the creation in all its varied splendor. By acceptance of others' beliefs, and the entertaining thereof, can we put ourselves in someone else's shoes and see the world through their eyes, perceiving creation empathically through another's outlook and expand upon our own. It is equivocal whether the universe is beheld through sense perception as the content of an extroversive mystical experience, or as a content of mental images during a vision, or as an intellectual experience of ideas. Whichever may be chosen or experienced by an individual, conscious or subconscious subversion, both the universe and self are located in the mind of God, the Great One. The intellectual experience of the primacy of mind constitutes an ontological shift, a transcending of vision and a becoming of mind. This has been dubbed many things and is beyond the basic understanding of Gnosis, 
but it does not change the fact that it occurs regardless of whether or not it is known. It just changes the quality of the experience via subversion of universal progeny. The knowing of this is the gnosis for those who have received knowledge and taken it with wisdom. Once known, it can be learned to be wielded with precision, and some have likened it to becoming God. It is an intellectual mystical union of mind that contains the cosmos as its thoughts. The Great One is the mind that is imminent throughout the cosmos. God is invisible and entirely visible. It is the spirit or aether that is the seen and unseen all entangled within and without the individual and pivot upon it as its cornerstone. The one who alone is unbegotten, without gnosis, is also unimagined and invisible. But in presenting images of all things he is seen through all of them and in all of them, the Lord who is ungrudging is seen through the entire cosmos there is nothing in all the cosmos that he is not. He is himself the things that are and those that are not. Those that are he has made visible. Those that are not he holds within him. What is bound on earth is bound in heaven, and what is loosed in heaven is loosed on earth. Having attained unity with the Great One, whose thought is the universe, one who has obtained Gnosis is presumably empowered to work magic by commanding his thoughts. Those who have not and will not wield it unknowingly in their subconscious and mostly just allow themselves to be subject to the will of their own subconscious and also to the will of others. Nothing within the creation is written in stone, or rather, it is not permanent. It can all wither away burn up, disappear, be replaced with an entirely different reality without our realization. This can be said, but it is never properly understood until one will willingly accepts the journey towards Gnosis. Logically, the pathway must vary for every individual, since the created world itself is in truth a virtual sandbox laid bare before us, and appears differently to us all. Perception is everything. Thought is reality. The physical is the illusion. As above, so below. It is this concept that is presented in a plethora of forms through all religion and sp spirituality. And it is never true until it is accepted. This achievement of the epitome of spiritual understanding, this gnosis, is not desirable to most people. It is not a requirement of everyone within their lifetime on earth to obtain. We have that choice. We may perceive this life and live it however we choose. To each his own. And that's it for the reading of Gnosis. Uh, next time we'll get into part two, chapter four, Tesseract, where we'll get to know our higher self. Remember, you can support this program by purchasing a copy of Apple of Perception by J.E. Benet. That's V-E-N-N-E. -N -N -E. It is available on Kindle and paperback through Amazon. Until
Until next time, I am Joseph Edward Benet. Take it easy and be excellent.